another module. I'm not sure if you're allowed to do after Christmas, but we did that, and it was on sale. And it, and I, I'm, I think there's, I think that's gone too. Is it gone? A little bit left. Yum. Good. I've still got more things to look forward to this year. Great. Um, but one thing I've noticed about uh, the post-Christmas time is that people tend to get a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more relaxed. Maybe it's the beach or the creek or whatever it is. And people can say things that are kind of on their heart a little bit quicker. And one time I noticed this during the week was when we took the kids to the farm, in the surf break. Uh, and, uh, and after, it was, it, was one of those, it was a hot day, and after the kind of miracle of finding the car park with all the people that were there, we walked down the grassy slope. If you know the farm, you know what I mean. And as we were overlooking the waves, one of my kids turned to me and said, I love God's creation. And he said, I mean, it's just so different. Look at it. Like, uh, God could have made it the same every day and every beach the same, but he didn't. It's all different and it's always changing. And he said that. It was a kind of throwaway comment. But I thought that and, I, and it sat with me for a bit. And I thought, he's so true. It's exactly right. It is God's creation that we are looking at and enjoying together. Now, at that point in time, I could have done lots of things. I could have commended him about the theological implications of understanding the creative God that we worship and adore. We could have talked about the meteorological reasons for swirling clouds and different currents that go about in the ocean. We could have done all those things, but we didn't. We went to the beach and went for a swim, and it was great. But as I thought about it afterwards, and I pondered it during the week, I thought, this was a good thing that my son had done. He had chosen to look at the world in a new way. He had chosen to look at the world in a way which gave honour and glory to God. And it made us a little bit more curious about how creative our God could be. And it also led to a sense of gratitude. So these things were all coming together for me and I thought it was really sweet. And it was a sign as well of someone who had spiritual strength to choose to see the world in the way that God intends as God's creation and to overflow in gratitude and praise to God. That's a sign of spiritual strength. And it really tied in to where my thoughts were leading me toward the end of 2023 and as I look toward 2024. I would love for us, for our church, All Saints, to be a place that is full of spiritual strength. We can be lots of things at church. We can be really good at getting to know each other, good at making friends. We can be good um, at organizing ourselves and having good plans and strategies and many of us have been involved in that over the past few years and um, and it's been a great thing to be part of but as we move forward I think it's incredibly important that we don't lose sight of the significance of being spiritually strong of being connected to Christ of seeing the world the way that God intends us to and I don't think that is something that we could or should take for granted. I think that's something that we need to work at. After all, we live in a world where we're reminded of all the new things that we need to do, especially heading into a new year. We're thinking, you know, new year, new year's resolutions and all that. It's time to get fit. We need to be people who are physically strong. Over the past few years, we've talked about um, our community has has had a, a, I guess, more of a spotlight on the importance of looking after our mental health and being mentally resilient and these sorts of things, again, really, really important. We understand the importance of having a cohesive social community where we are connected to each other in helpful and real and genuine ways. And these are all good things and I don't want to diminish any of them and I want to promote all of them. 
but I want us to keep the conversation about spiritual strength alive as well. We're not going to hear that message from the TV or from the wider community, maybe even from our families, we might not hear that either. But it is of such importance to our ongoing day-to-day life with the Lord and for our overall well-being. We've got to be people who are seeking spiritual strength. And when we have it, it's going to be something that's going to play out in the world around us and in our interactions with people around us every day. When we're going to the beach, we're going to see the world differently. When we are um, choosing what to do on the weekend, that's going to be something that's going to be factored into that. When we choose to forgive rather than to get angry, when we are quick to apologize, when we go for a walk and we see the world in the way that God intends, if we have a place of spiritual strength, it will change not just the big things, but the little things in our life as well. And I hope, my prayer and hope for our church is that this will be something that we, that we appreciate and aim toward together as a church in the year ahead. We want to be spiritually strong. And when we are, we will find ourselves more fruitful in our walk with the Lord. And the good news, of course, is that Jesus tells us how we can do this. He doesn't just say, be strong. He says, here is how you are to be strong in the Lord. And it comes to a point here in John chapter 15. So again, extended introduction, I hope you don't mind, but let's have a look at John 15 together. In John chapter 15, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples and it's a really important conversation that he's having with his disciples because he has told them that he's about to leave them. In fact, that he will be departing and we know that means he's going to be dying. But before he does that, before this incredibly significant moment comes for this group of disciples, he wants to tell them the plan. He says, I'm going away, but I am going to come back. And in the meantime, what you need to be doing as my disciples is obeying my commands. That's what you need to do. In the time that I go and the time that I come back, you need to be people who are obeying my commands. And so, for example, he says this in John chapter 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And there's an extended discussion about this in John chapter 14. So that's the plan for the disciples. That's their marching orders. That's what they're told to do. But he also gives them the power to do it as well. He doesn't just tell them what to do. He tells them how they're going to be able to do it. And that's where our ears need to be paying attention as well. If we want to be fruitful in our Christian walk, if we want to be people who are ready to obey the commands of Jesus and to be spiritually strong, then we need the power to do it as well, just as much as those first disciples did. So what is the secret? What is this power? Well, Jesus says to them in chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, that the power will come from His Spirit. He says in verse 16, I will ask the Father and He will give another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. And down in verse 26, chapter 14, He says, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. See, Jesus telling his disciples that even though he is going away, his spirit will come and the spirit will remind them of all the things that Jesus said. 
and will give them the power and the ability to do the things that Jesus has commanded to be spiritually strong. So that's the plan and that's the power. But to help them understand it a little bit further, he offers to them an illustration, which I find truly beautiful. It's one of my favourite parts of the Bible and it comes here in John chapter 15. This image of Jesus being the vine, the Father being the gardener, and of us, the saints, being the branches that are connected to the vine. Now, in, in God's people back then, and for us today, and for, for people for centuries, this has been a familiar illustration for what God's people are to be like. So, it actually comes from the Old Testament, and we had a little bit of it read to us earlier from Isaiah chapter 5. See, in the Old Testament, God's people were designed to be the vineyard of God, to flourish, to be fruitful as God's people. God was the gardener and His people were like His vineyard, producing fruit to the glory of God. But it didn't turn out very well. And as we read through the story of the Old Testament, we're reminded time and time again that instead of God's people being fruitful, they instead yielded bad fruit. There was no good fruit, it yielded bad fruit. And so the question, the tension, if you like, throughout the story of the Old Testament was this. What's God going to do with His people that are being fruitless? What's God going to do with His vineyard that He loves? Well, the promise that God makes is that He's not going to give up on His people. He's not going to give up on the vineyard. He's going to redeem it, restore it, rescue it. And we get an example of this from the book of Isaiah as well. Isaiah chapter 27 we're told a promise that in that day, the day of the Lord, God says, sing about a fruitful vineyard. There will be a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watch over it. I water it continually and I guard it day and night so that no one may harm it. So here's the thing. On the one hand, we've got God's people being a fruitless vineyard, yielding bad fruit. On the other hand, we have a promise of God that one day He will stand guard over His people and this, this vineyard will be fruitful. How will that come about? Well, it comes about through Jesus. Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the gardener and His people are the branches. And we're told in chapter 15, verse 5 of John's Gospel that when we are the branches, this is what it looks like. He says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Do you see how it's said both ways? Remain in me, Jesus says, and you will be fruitful. The fruitful vineyard promised from the Old Testament of God's people doing, obeying the Lord, giving glory to God, that will come about when you remain in Jesus and He remains in you. But apart from Him, you can do nothing. Do you see the difference? If you want to be fruitful for the Lord, if you want to bring honour and glory to God in your life, if you want to be able to fulfil the plan that God has for your life, there is no way to do it apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Nothing at all. And this is the way that the people of God are to be arranged, by being connected to Jesus. We are not supposed to be little branches doing our own thing, we are to be branches connected to the vine, to Jesus. And sometimes I think that in churches, just as in many other places, we can have a strong focus on developing a sense of social cohesion, togetherness. We want to be people who look after each other and all that kind of thing. 
but we must do so remembering that first and foremost, we need to be connected to Christ. He is the one we are to be connected to. If we are to be spiritually strong, we must be connected to the vine. Over the past couple of years, I've, um, I have to, I, I've begun to enjoy gardening more and more, and I know that that makes it sound like I'm getting older, and I, I, I said this at the service this morning, and everyone with grey hair kind of nodded and said, yes, yes, as you get older, you're going to love gardening. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> it's true. Um, when I was younger, I had no interest in gardening whatsoever. But as I've got old, and I don't know why, I'm sure there's some psychological reasons around this. I don't know what they are. But as I've, I've started to enjoy it, um, I've started to learn a few things. And this passage has become you know, even more kind of uh, helpful for me. Um, I particularly enjoy veggie gardening too. And I admit that I'm a beginner. But there is a bit of corn growing in our backyard now and zucchinis. But the bit that I like most of all are growing tomatoes. And uh, I've, um, we've got a few different cherry tomato vines in our yard. And, and I'm not joking about this, I'm being serious. My children will testify that I go out most days and I look for the cherry tomatoes on the vine and I pluck the ones that are ripe and I put them in a little strawberry container and I pop them in the fridge. And I love finding them, I love discovering the fruit from these little branches. But sometimes when I go out there, I notice that there are a couple of branches that are withering and doing nothing. And as you kind of work your way up the vine, you can find out the reason why the, the branch has been broken off. And of course, as the branch is broken off, there's none of that kind of nutrients and whatever the stuff is that comes through the vines. It doesn't get to the branch and then they're not fruitful. It's a great illustration, isn't it, for how we are to be fruitful as God's people. If we are going to be fruitful for God, we need to be connected to God. And Jesus is the way that happens. We must be people who remain in Him. On our own, we are little branches cut off from the vine. We will be fruitless. We won't be able to produce anything. But connected to Christ, we can be fruitful for God. This is what Jesus says in verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, brothers and sisters... The secret to being spiritually strong, to have God's Spirit running through you, to bear fruit for the glory of God, is to be connected to Christ. And I want you to notice as well, just looking at these words, that Jesus uses the word remain here. Did you see it and notice it? Jesus uses the word remain in Him. It's easy, I think, for us to start the Christian life with quite a lot of energy we know that we need to place our faith in Jesus and we seek to follow the words of Jesus and put it into practice in our life. We trust Him for salvation, all these important and great things. But it's just as important that we make sure that we remain with Jesus for the journey. We don't start with Jesus and then do it on our own. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And so it's of critical importance that we continue to rely on Jesus just as much as we did when we first became a Christian. We need to be people who remain in Him. Sadly, and I've seen it, many people start with Jesus, but they end up relying on themselves. And that is a recipe for a fruitless vine. The way to be fruitful for God is to remain with Jesus. 
Now, I just want you to give, have a pause. And, and again, we're at the end of the year. It's a chance for you to do a little bit of heart work before God. As you think over the past year and your walk with the Lord, what kind of year has it been? Has it been a dry year, a spiritually sapping year? Or has it been a strong year for you? Is it, is it potentially because some of the struggles that you have faced, is it possible that some of the struggles that you have faced in your Christian life have, have come about because you haven't been as closely connected to Jesus and haven't been relying on His Spirit? Instead, perhaps you've been concentrating and focusing on other things. I think it's really easy for us to do that because we can be distracted by any number of things around us and we're always told to find the power within ourselves, to depend on ourselves. But when it comes to us and God, we need to depend on Him and not us. If we're depending on ourselves, it's a recipe for disaster. We need Jesus if we're going to be spiritually strong. This means as well, I take it, that as we go about our day-to-day life, we need to be closely in, in sync with God. We need to be people who, who pray, who, who, who have a kind of sense of their spirituality throughout the day. Our kind of spiritualness doesn't just happen when we come to church. It needs to be something that filters through when we're driving our car, when we're at work, when we're at home. We need to be people who are asking Jesus to give me the power to serve Him well this day. I need your strength, God. I, I'm not going to do it on my own. We need to be ready to confess that and admit that so that we can have the kind of fruitfulness that God intends for us. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about this more and more, and I hinted to it at the start as well, because our church has been phenomenally good at rolling up their sleeves and working hard. Just look, I mean, just look at this. This has happened over the past six weeks. All the work that you've seen. I've got people in the room who've poured, I don't want to say blood, but definitely sweat and sometimes tears into this building over the past little while. We've worked really hard and it's come about because we've had a great plan and these things are wonderful and they do bring honour to God. But we also need to be people who do not neglect the importance of being spiritually strong even as we put forth good ideas. I've been talking about this with the ministry team, with the parish council, the importance of going back to basics, of relying on God's spirit and building up this strength in our church in the year ahead. I'm reminded of the words of Nehemiah. Nehemiah's words in his book have been close to my heart over the past little while. And he prepared to rebuild Jerusalem. And as he did so, he had this enormous task of rebuilding Jerusalem and putting this big wall around God's city. And as he did so, he faced lots of problems and lots of battles, lots of challenges, just like we face problems and battles and challenges in our life as well as we seek to serve God. But Nehemiah understood where the power would come from if he would succeed in, his op- in, in, in the task that God had put before him. He knew he had to rely on God. And so he prayed, God, strengthen my hands. God, strengthen my hands. If we are going to be strong enough for the task that, good, that God puts before us, it will only come when we depend on Him. And so we need Jesus if we're going to see this church grow. We're going to need Jesus if we're going to reach our community with the gospel. We're going to need Jesus if we're going to be fruitful to the glory of God. May God strengthen the branches of this church. Tomorrow, 2024, I can't believe we're there, but it is right there in front of us. And it's a chance for us to reset 
our expectations for our journey with the Lord in the year ahead. Will 2024 be a year of spiritual strength for you? Will you draw closer to Jesus who promises to provide for you all that you need? One of the ways that he promises to do this is through his word. He says that when we remain in him, his word remains in us. And the good thing is we have his word. Every time we open up the scriptures, we have Jesus' words here for us, just goes to, to, to saturate into our soul and into our heart and into our mind. And so we have an opportunity to, when as, as his word remains in us, we are able to remain in him. And that means we need to be people who do not neglect the task of listening to God's word every day in the scriptures. I started tonight's sermon by talking about how I was at the farm, if you remember the story. And one of my kids said he looked at God's, he looked out and he called it God's creation. And I said that those words came from a place of spiritual strength. What I didn't tell you then, but I want to tell you now, is that that's not an accident. That wasn't an accident. See, this week, he finished reading the Bible in a year. He finished reading the Bible in a year. And it wasn't the first time either. He's only little. He worked hard. I, I want to honour that. He worked hard to make sure that God's Word was in him. And then he got to experience the blessing of seeing the world as God intended. See, it's not an accident for God's Word to remain in us. We need to be diligent about it. Let's make 2024 a year where we say, you know what I need first and foremost in my life, if I'm going to be spiritually strong, I need God's Word. I need God's Word in my life, in my heart, in my soul, in my mind. And as I sit with God's Word alongside me, I know I have Jesus right alongside and He will teach me to see the world in the way that He intends. And all that kind of spiritual strength that I've been longing for will start to happen in my life. 2024 is a new year. It's a chance, once again, to start afresh. Let us be examples to our families by going to God's Word first. You know, I don't know if this is you, but maybe sometimes, I'll admit, it's me. But I start my day going to my phone. Does anyone else do that? I check my phone for the notifications and straight away I'm being informed about what's going on in the lives of other people around me. And that's nice. It's nice to feel connected to people around me. But sometimes I think, as I reflect on that, that maybe that's not a great practice for me. And maybe it's not a good practice for you. I can be so easily distracted by the things going on out there that I can miss the moment of having God be the first person to speak to me in the morning. We need to be people who check in with God. I want to say just gently that maybe that's a good thing to do before we check in on our phones. Some of you are like, ah, oh, the Bible's on my phone. Good on you. You can do both at the same time. You're better than me. So think about now and make a bit of, maybe you'd like to make a little bit of a decision about how you would like to see 2024 play out with you and the Lord and with His Word. As we head into a new year, we do have many new decisions that we need to make together as a church family. I want to make the decisions together with, obviously, with good plans and good strategy and good thinking, all that kind of stuff. But all that's useless without spiritual strength. We need to be people who rely on the Lord Jesus in all that we do. I'm going to close with a blessing. May the words of Jesus, the great vine of God's people, so remain in you that your lives may overflow with fruitfulness of grace, of gentleness, 
of obedience in the power of the Spirit and to the glory of God. Amen.